Uh, Roy and Tiffany, would y'all stand for just a minute? Uh, this is Roy and Tiffany Rhodes, and welcome them into our midst, please. Roy is going to be working with our Kenosis group, um, and we're glad to have him here as part-time staff member, and look forward to that. He's working on his MDiv at Abilene Christian, so they'll be driving in at various times, much like Chris and Brooke did, and you know how much a blessing that was. We know that this is going to be equally, if not even greater, so welcome. They have a little boy that's two, is that right? Micah. Yeah, Micah's in the nursery, I'm sure, but uh, uh, encourage you to meet them. We're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, we're going to be uh, using a psalm as our preaching text. Now, you don't normally preach psalms, but when this psalm rolled up in the lectionary, I thought, you know, we need to talk about this one. So let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God, Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. A while back, I was in one of our local stores and happened to run into a man that's from our neighborhood. And it's not someone I know well. I just basically know a name and a face and which house he lives in. But anyway, we ran at each other walking down an aisle of the store, and I stopped and said, greeted him and asked this question, well, how are things? To which he replied, well, as good as you can be expected with the terrible shape our country's in. I thought, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know where our conversation was going to go, but I was going to do my best to steer it away from politics. You know, we live, as we've often observed, in interesting times. Times of rapid change, change in the morality of the culture around us, things that were once wrong are now being trumpeted as right. Change in our world situation, it just seems like every time we turn the news on, there's a new crisis somewhere in the world. And changes just in making it through everyday life. As um, Jeff pointed out, you know, everyone now carries this gadget with them that keeps their calendar, the phone numbers, uh, internet connections. And, and some of us in my generation and those running ahead of my generation, 
we spend a lot of time trying to keep up uh, with trying to stay connected somewhat and to keep up with what's going on. And you know, another thing that kind of complicates everything is that we have such instant communication uh, with all these gadgets and with all our, our news outlets and everything that we just, something happens on the other side of the world in just a few seconds, we know about it. And it gets to be difficult trying to process all this information. And what is really hard to do is to try to put it in perspective, to try to put it together into some kind of view of the world and figure out then where I stand and how I am to make my way through this world that is so different than it was a few years ago and about which we know so much. Now, it isn't that we don't have people offering help to create our perspectives. One game I kind of like to play is sometimes I'll sit down in front of the TV when the news is coming on with the remote, and I'll channel surf through the various news outlets. I'll go through the network news sources, I'll go through CNN, I'll go to Fox. And what I like to do is to see what out of all the things that happened in the world today, what is it that those particular outlets find most interesting and that we should be most informed about and usually most scared about? And they're all different. Barring some great natural disaster, their stories that they're talking about and they're all excited about are not the same stories. Each group has a perspective that they're trying to bring to us. And it's a challenge to know, well, which perspective is best? Which way to look at what's going on is the right way to look at what's going on? Well, one of the blessings of being a Christian, one of the blessings of being a child of God, is that we have another source for our perspective. We can turn to another outlet to gather all this information together and to put it into some kind of picture that gives us a world through which we can walk, that we can navigate, and that makes some kind of sense. Now, we gather our information just like everybody else gathers information. But it's the perspective that's different because this source gives us eyes to see things that perhaps others are not seeing. Of course, you know what I mean. The source is God himself. The source is God's revelation through his spirit. And particularly focusing on this written word that gives us a way of looking at the world, a way of seeing beyond just the immediate events to see where this world is and where this world is going. Psalm 96 is a psalm about perspective. It was written during a time of great world turmoil. It was written by a people who had every reason to be afraid. It was written during a time in which there were many world powers that were all trying to impose their view on the rest of the world. It was written during a time when there were so many changes going on 
that these people that, that loved God were wondering, would things ever be good again? Will God ever assume control of this world again and make it go the way it ought to go? Well, the psalmist gave us a wonderful psalm, and I want us to work back through it. I know we read it quickly, but I want us to go back through primarily looking and to see how this inspired psalmist, how the people of God of that day gathered their information together and put it into perspective. Psalm 146 begins with one word. Now, I know that this is three words in English, but when the psalmist wrote it down, it was one word. And it's a word that you are pretty familiar with. Praise the Lord in Hebrew. See, y'all didn't even know you could speak Hebrew, did you? How many of you can speak Hebrew? How many of you can say praise the Lord in Hebrew? Say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. There it is. That's praise the Lord. And with this one word, perspective is already being set for us. Already we are viewing things differently than the rest of the world. Because see, the psalmist could have said, praise God. And that would not have been nearly as specific as this. Because God is a kind of generic word. Most all cultures, most all religions have some word for God that represents the higher power, however you may conceive of that higher power. But the psalmist did not say, praise God. He said, praise Yahweh, hallelujah, which is short for Yahweh. Praise the God of Israel. Praise the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise the one and only true God, Yahweh, the Lord. Now, another interesting thing is, besides beginning to set that perspective, that it is that God, the one and only God, whom we will give praise to, he's also designated as the Lord. And when you call someone Lord, when you give that appellation to some being, then you are saying this being is in charge. This being is in charge of the world, the universe. This being is in charge of me. That I kneel down before this being and I realize that it is this Lord whom I serve. And I will look to this Lord to give me the way and to way to look at things and the way to go. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then he intensifies that by saying, praise the Lord, O my soul. Hey, since we're speaking Hebrew, I love the Hebrew in this. It's hallelujah nefeshi. Isn't that pretty? Hallelujah nefeshi. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Now, praise is something that doesn't just happen. You know, we can say we're going to have a praise service, and praise might happen and it might not happen. Praise doesn't happen just because we open our mouths and repeat words on a screen or a page. Those may be words intended as praise, but they're only praise when they come from our soul. We can't really praise just with our lips. We can't just praise with our minds and our eyes and processing these words. Praise happens when from our innermost being it arises. 
I love a definition I read several years ago about praise. It said, praise happens whenever you spend enough time thinking about God, reflecting on God, meditating on God, that finally you have to say something. Whenever you think about him long enough and realize who he is, you can't stay quiet anymore. You got to say something about a God like that. And so here the psalmist is encouraging us that not only do we praise Yahweh, we don't just praise him lightly. We don't just praise him off the top, but it comes all the way down from deep in our heart. It is real and genuine, honest praise. Then he gives the breadth of this commitment. He says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. That's quite a commitment to make, especially for you young folks. Wow, if y'all can make that commitment now. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to live, and you guys, if you take care of yourselves with all the advances going on, you got a lot of years ahead. But to make that commitment as a young person, that as long as I live, I will praise the Lord. I'm going to praise Him. I'll give Him the honor and the glory And I will bow before him and let him set the agenda and the perspective for my world. Then he says, I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Yeah, gets a little more specific. It's hard to think of praise without singing, isn't it? I know we can say words of praise that can be very genuine, but there's something about singing that God truly loves all through Scripture, when we're talking, about pray, we're talking about praising God, the word singing comes up. For some reason, that is just so integrated into what praise is all about. I know God loves singing. I just wish He had given us all beautiful singing voices, me especially. But that doesn't seem to matter to Him. It doesn't really seem to matter whether we can sing on key or not. He just wants us to sing. And that's one reason why here at Johnson Street, we don't sing for you. You know, we very, very rarely do we put people up to sing for you. Nothing wrong with that. But we want you to sing because we want you to participate in the praise of God. And when Brian stands up here and begins a song, that is the invitation for you to open your heart, open your soul, lift up your voice and to sing. We sing praises to God throughout the life as long as we shall live. And you know, I guess one reason that God seems to like singing so much, in my experience, it seems to be the closest connection to my soul that I have. You know, when you're really happy, when things are going well, you sing. And maybe not so much our culture, but other cultures. I'm having a terrible time with my microphone today. In other cultures, they sing when they're sad. Wails of lament. Because it's singing that just connects all the way down. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Now a word of perspective about Um, a a word of caution, excuse me, about perspective. 
There's a place that we can put our trust that's not really good. He says, don't put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. Don't put your trust in people who are leading. Leaders come and leaders go. Some of the leaders seem to do good and we like them and we're behind them and yet they're going to go and when they go, their plans are gone, as this tells us. Other leaders we don't like. Well, don't worry. They'll be gone and their plans will be gone. That this really isn't the place where our focus is. Our focus is not necessarily on some particular person, some particular leader, because that person is not eternal, only God is eternal. And that's where he moves on to as he goes. He says, happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob. Lots of words in there we've got to talk about. Happy is the same word that Jesus used whenever he talked in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We don't really have a good way to translate that. But what it means is that people who trust and whose help is in the God of Jacob are content and stable. They're not... Uh, constantly tossed around, they're, they're, they're consistent, they can see the world the way it is, and they, they know a way to go. So happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob. Now, a minute ago up there in the verse before that, he said that, that there is no help really in the rulers of this world, but he uses a different word there. Here he uses a word that is really only used in the Bible to describe the kind of help that God gives. And it's another word you know. I tell you, y'all just did not know you knew so much Hebrew, did you? The word for help here is ezer, not geezer, <laughs> ezer. Anybody know that word? We sing a song about it in a compound way. Here I raise my Ebenezer. There you go, Ebenezer. And what does that word mean? Hither by thy help I've come. Whenever the Bible pulls this word easer out, it's serious. Because what it's talking about is only the kind of help that God can give. It's the kind of help that comes through his presence. It's the kind of help that, that comes to us because he loves us and he's with us and he's protecting us. And sometimes we don't even realize the things he's protecting us from. Sometimes we think things are as bad as they can be. No, they're not. Just imagine how bad things would be without God's help, without God's protection. I sometimes think of this kind of concept as almost like an atmosphere around this planet. You know, we know the atmosphere is there. We breathe the atmosphere. And the atmosphere also protects this planet, doesn't it? It protects it from harmful rays that are shooting through outer space. It protects it from objects that are hurtling through space as well. And we realize that God is our help, that he is that kind of protection, that kind of encouragement, that kind of lifting up. It is he who gives us our life. And happier are those who realize that. Happy are those who know that God is helping them as they go through this life. And also whose hope is in the Lord, their God. 
You know, the, we've talked a lot about hope lately from this pulpit, and, and hope is so important because what hope is meant, meant by hope is that, that it is our expectation, what we see coming at us, what we expect to happen, what, what is out there in front of us. And we as God's people are called upon to let Him be our hope, that we trust our future to Him, this God who helps us, this God who protects us. This God who leads us. Now he goes on then to describe the things that God is doing. Oh, no, he didn't. I skipped a verse. The power of God first. This is the God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them. This is the kind of God that we have that gives us our help. This is the kind of God who is protecting us. And then he gives us one of the greatest lines. Ooh, I'm glad I had that up there and didn't skip this one. Because this is one of my favorite, if not my favorite line in the whole psalm. He keeps faith forever. God will always be the God who he is. Does that make sense? He's not going to change. Wouldn't it be interesting to serve a God like the Romans and the Greeks felt like that whatever mood they got up in, that was sort of what was going to happen in the world that day. You know, if they were, you know, if they were ticked off about something, then things went wrong. And if they were mad about something, things went wrong. If they were happy, then things went well. Our God is consistent. He's always who he is. And he's the same God that was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the Apostle Paul. And now he is with us. And another way of looking at that, who keeps faith forever, is that he's never going to abandon us either. He keeps his faithfulness forever. He is always concerned about us, always caring for us. Now he lists the things that he does. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Now, honestly, if we have the wrong perspective... We don't see him doing all those things. We can get really upset because we see from our perspective that wicked people often do prosper. And we know people who have struggled their whole lives that don't seem to get much relief. And so if we rely on our own perspective, then we start questioning whether or not God is really doing these things. But if we come to him as Lord, then we recognize that sometimes our eyes are not tuned to really see the things that God is doing, that sometimes we miss out on the things that God is doing, that we must sometimes stand in opposition to the things that God stands in opposition to, and that we must sometimes then rally around and do the things that God has called us to do. Sometimes we see things that, well, let me say it this way. There are changes happening in our world today that we need to stand up and say no. We need to stand up and say, I don't care that our culture says this is right. We get it from the word of God that it is wrong. And we are brave enough and daring enough to be the people of God and to stand against what our culture is saying is good and right. However, 
as we do that, we need to also make sure that we are staying in touch with the agenda of God and the work of God, because if we don't, we can find ourselves opposing things that God himself is doing. Let me give you an example. When I was growing up, I confessed it in first service. I guess I can confess it in second. In the 50s and 60s, the great issue of the day was integration. And I am sorry to say that the church I attended, as well as the neighborhood I lived in, fought that tooth and nail. We thought that that was a great evil coming into this world. How dare our world get turned upside down? That was just not what was supposed to happen. I remember a next-door neighbor had a sign, on the, uh, a bumper sticker on his car that I didn't really understand at the time. It said, impeach Earl Warren. Does that resonate with anyone? Earl Warren was the chief justice of the Supreme Court who ordered school integration. We were sincere people. We were just trying to stop the world from changing. But our eyes did not see the work of God and the hand of God as he was leading us to be a more compassionate, caring, loving, just society. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we are constantly in touch with the Word of God, that we do not let our culture pull us into its thinking about what's right and wrong, but at the same time, we do not stay where we are when we have a God who is out working in society and that we join Him in the things that He is doing and that His agenda becomes our agenda. His perspective becomes our perspective. I want to go back through that list again. If you want to know what God cares about, then this not only is giving us faith that he's working in these areas, it's an invitation for us to come and join him in his work here. In executing justice for those who are oppressed, in giving food to the hungry, setting prisoners free, and that can be interpreted in a lot of ways. I don't know that we really deal a lot here with people falsely in prison that we can actually help. Maybe some way we can, but there's a lot of ways that people are in prison in our society, and maybe that's our call is to set them free and to help them. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Certainly, we are a people that care about healing, and we pray for people's healing, and we're grateful for medical advances that bring healing. But also there are other kinds of blindness that we are called upon as, as we move through the world to help people open their eyes and perhaps see things with new eyes, with healthy eyes, and to move on. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord is all about encouragement. Are we? You know, this is his agenda. Is it ours? Is it really our perspective that we're looking at the world is who we can help lift up? The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers, and he upholds the orphan and the widow. This is a perspective that the psalmist wants us to have. We serve the Lord, and the Lord is still active in this world. And if we're not seeing him, then perhaps we need to draw a little closer. Perhaps we need to open our hearts and praise Perhaps we need to be a little more responsive to his touch. Perhaps we need to be a little more committed to the things he wants to see done. He closes by saying this, the Lord will reign forever. 
Things come and go. Cultures come and go. Nations come and go. But the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Therefore, join me. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We are called upon to live a life of praise for the Lord. He has given us the ability to come to Him. He's made Himself known to us. He's told us He'll come and live with us if we will but come to Him through the grace and mercy of His Son. Put on His name in baptism. Live our lives in faith. Live our lives with His perspective. Live our lives for His agenda. Let's stand and sing.